We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Author's Corner segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Sheik Lacey. She's the author of Jacoby and Me and has a tremendous story. Sheik, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Or How are you surviving the coronavirus? Update us for your fans. Oh, well, um, it's honestly, it's not really that hard for me because with Jacoby already being on, I'm um, having a trach, we're used to kind of staying in the house, especially during flu season, where this is the highest time for him to get sick. Um, so we're surviving. We just have our nurses come and me and my son, and that's it. All right, so let's kind of go to basically your story before Jacoby. Kind of go into that story, like what you were doing before having Jacoby and what your life was before Jacoby. Then we'll go into Jacoby, and then we'll go into specifically the book. Okay. Like who you were, kind of your story, your background before having Jacoby. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were. No, that's okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm like. No, that's uh... okay. No, you got it. You got it. Okay. That's cool. Um, so before Jacoby. Okay. So um, I actually had just graduated from the Ohio Media School and I had my podcast going. Um, I started a nonprofit. Uh, before finding out I was pregnant called Forever DC because my brother was killed in the summer of 2017. So I started a nonprofit towards the area um, where I grew up, which was the Linda area. And it was just about helping youth and exposing them to different things that you're not exposed to living in a certain type of community. So my main focus at in 2018 um, was getting that off of the ground, meeting with people, secretaries of state, and just doing a bunch of different stuff um, to do entertainment. I was working backstage, doing concerts, interviewing people. It was actually amazing. Wow. Okay. And, and yeah, and the, yeah. the amazing uh, times and that point, and now your life changed. And so a lot of people would say, you know, and this is one of your messages. You chose to have Jacoby and explain you knew what was going to happen, but you still chose pro-life. You still chose to bring this beautiful life here, even when you had all these things going on and you could have done something different. Yes, I definitely could have chosen. Um, I could have chosen something different. I found out that Jacoby had a rare kind of dwarfism when we went for to find out the gender, my 20-week checkup. And his femur was small. It wasn't measuring. So once I seen that, um, my OB immediately got me to a specialist. Once we went to the specialist, they were not able to say exactly what it was because it was too soon. So I had to get my MEO fluid tested, got it tested, came back, he had a lethal form of dwarfism. When the paternal, the maternal fetal medicine doctor told me, he said I only had two weeks left to say if I would terminate him because in the state of Ohio, it's 22 weeks. And at that time I was 20 weeks. Oh, wow. And that was, um, that was very, very hard because I didn't know what life looked like having a child like Jacoby, but the way that it was presented to me was he wouldn't be normal. He would look weird. Um, and it was just, it was presented to me as if like this baby would just not be worthy of life. And I decided to keep him because at this point, I had already felt him moving and growing inside of me. I'm five months pregnant. I couldn't imagine terminating my pregnancy. So oh, no. during my whole pregnancy from August until January, um, at first it was hard because every doctor's appointment I went to, my doctor told me Jacoby was going to die. Every appointment. And I had to see him once a week. Um, so that was a lot until I reported him because I was just like, you know what, if you can't say anything positive, I've already given you my decision on what it is that I want to do with my son. And every time I come in here, you keep telling me that I should put him on hospice as soon as he's born. So once I said something to him, um, it got better, but not really. 
So long story short, I ended up getting a new doctor because that doctor wasn't there. And it was like she was an angel sent from above. As soon as she met me, she was just awesome. She was very optimistic and she followed my goals. I said, this is what I wanted to do. And she left it at that. It wasn't a conversation of, you know, he's not going to make it. Um, I ended up getting on Facebook, reaching out to people, and someone informed me that I can ask for extreme measures. My doctor never told me that. He told me that they would put morphine patches on Jacoby's cheeks, and he would just pass away and not be in pain. I didn't know Jacoby could get a breathing tube to help him breathe and be hooked up to a ventilator. Once I found that out, that was my option. I met with children. I told them my goals. I met with Riverside. I told them what my goals were, and everybody agree with me and they did what they were supposed to do and Jacoby is 14 months now what and what did your mindset you know about wanting pro-life and to really want Jacoby to live did you have a strong faith that got you through those hard times when the doctors were saying that he's probably not going to live yes um my faith definitely had a whole lot to do with it. Like without prayer and God and my family and friends just encouraging me, um, not even really encouraging me because nobody had ever gone through this. Like as many people as we know, nothing had like this had ever happened. And this thing with like Jacoby, this mutation, it's not genetics. I got tested. His dad got tested. It was nothing to do with us. It was one of those one-off things, and it happens to one in 50,000 people. So it was just really, like, super weird. But I prayed about it, and during my pregnancy, I just looked at it as, if this is my last time that I'm going to have with him, then I'm going to make the best out of best out of it. I pulled back from social media, and I focused on the baby I was carrying and my 9-year-old at the time. And we took uh, pictures, maternity pictures. And I took a bunch of videos of him moving in my stomach because if that was all that I was going to have, I would still want to make sure I had something. And um, that positivity and that mindset of he's coming home and um, he's going to be okay, that's what got me here. And that's important. You talk about the faith because then he is a definite uh, representation of of pro-life in so many ways when people talk about terminating a baby because of a defect or a certain uh, disability that people say, okay, you can go ahead and uh, terminate at a specific stage. And so you're, were you always an advocate of pro-life? Yeah, I've never, um, I mean, ab- abortion is, for me, I just, I can't, I, I'm not able to do it. If my baby was going to pass away, then he was going to pass away. But I wasn't going to take that option of giving him a fighting chance just because of something the doctor said. And doctors say stuff all the time. Once Jacoby actually was born, the doctors, a specific doctor, only said Jacoby would last for two weeks. He was like, he'll make it two weeks, and, you know, you all might want to start planning for the worst. He tried to get me to sign a DNR because he said that if Jacoby needs to have CPR at that point, he's dead already. So there's no point of them doing all of that. And I told them, absolutely not. I'm not signing a DNR. And my son, again, made it past two weeks. And that's that's uh, and that's that's tremendous. And that's an interesting uh, thing that you believe in. And it's such a amazing thing. So why did you write the book? OK, your your life is busy. It's very busy. Uh, you lost a lot of different things that you used to do for Jacoby. But what made you want to write the book? So I wanted to write the book because Jacoby loves being read to. He loves books and he loves pictures. So that's what triggered the idea of writing the book. But also, I have my 10 year old. I wanted him to feel as included as possible. So even with me writing the book, Amir had a huge part in what do you think about this? He told me to add stuff. He said to take stuff out. I just wanted us three to have something that would, that would also help other families. It's, even when I looked at books for people in a situation um, such as ours, it's not a lot of kids explaining 
their feelings and their siblings and how they deal with it. And I thought that having it from a mere perspective would be able to help people of all ages. And also the book touches on Jacoby's dwarfism, which I want to bring more awareness to. So if other mothers do happen to be one of those one in 50,000, then it gives them hope because that's something that I didn't have in the beginning. I didn't have a resource until I joined the group, and it was only two mothers in there that helped me and guided me and gave me advice. My book can reach millions of mothers who could be going through maybe not the same diagnosis, but their kid might feel a certain type of way because they're back and forth in the hospital. Jacoby spent six months in the hospital. He came home and had to go back to the hospital to have surgery on his brain, so that that's a lot and to have a child going through that that does understand what's going on i thought it was important to touch on that and to let other kids know they're not alone having a sibling with special needs and that's such a great point you're making having a sibling with special needs and so you're touching upon the group of dwarfism you're talk touching in the group of any family that has a child who's diagnosed with special needs or some sort of medical condition you're also touching on the pro-life movement a movement that is being fought against tremendously because of the thought process oh just terminate the baby and go ahead and go with your life and life doesn't matter and if we especially in this time of the coronavirus uh, don't think life matters then why do we practice social distancing if we're gonna kill the youngest that cannot you know uh, defend themselves why are we social distancing because then we just decide to just uh, let people die so in a lot of ways this experience of this pandemic hopefully will teach people that are not pro-life to be pro-life because their life was in danger what and they can defend themselves by staying away from people but the littlest people can't yes yeah. yeah. i agree most powerful thing you've had some things go viral especially uh the great shares in your facebook on your facebook personal page and people have shared the story uh so that people could pick up the book but also instagram tell us about how instagram has been a great resource for you to really uh connect with so many people instagram is honestly my go-to more than the facebook because Instagram, I get a lot more interaction. I just put up yesterday questions. If anybody had any questions for me about Jacoby, and I got a lot of I got a lot of no questions, but more so, you're doing a great job. His page is inspiring. Um, people interact more on Instagram. I have hundreds of comments and a lot of likes and people share his stuff and their stories and it just goes on and on. And then I love that it's all over the world. My Facebook is good, but it's really touching people in Columbus. That's it. Ohio and maybe people I went to college with, but his Instagram is, I have people write me from Europe, people in Paris, people in Africa. But trust me, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to happen in Facebook with uh, having someone like myself promoting you, Sheik. So watch out. We'll have over 300,000 in your group at one point in time. So this is just the beginning, trust me. But Instagram's great in that way. And Facebook doesn't allow that reach, but it's just tremendous what's happening. And you want to be such a support group. You want to go out and speak. So there's a lot of aspirations you have based on this difficult situation to transform people's lives so they have hope, right? Yeah. And even people who don't have children with special needs that reach out to me, it's been times I just post a random picture of Jacoby and I get a message saying, thank you, I've been having a horrible week. And even for me, with him being my child, it's hard for me to say I'm having a bad day, knowing that this one-year-old has fought to be here. You know, like, it's it's just a, it's a, it's a humbling experience. Like, I don't take life for granted at all. Because I didn't have to go through nine-plus surgeries to make it to 30. My baby has had multiple surgeries, and he smiles as if nothing has ever happened to him. How can I, how can I walk around mad at the world? 
Oh, you're doing tremendous work. Where's the place people can pick up the book? I know it's available on Amazon, but also at your website. So tell us your website and all the places we can connect with you on social media. So the website uh, to purchase the book is jacobyandmebook.com, and that's J-A-K-O-B-I and me book.com. And then Jacoby's, our Instagram page is babybay19, just one nine. And my Facebook is sheep, S-H-E-Q, Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y. And there's a group to come, trust me, a Facebook group for everyone that wants to be part of this tremendous story and to connect with special needs families, with families going through hardships and also the pro-life movement. So you're doing tremendous work and uh, best of luck to you and look forward to chatting with you. I have some ideas of other segments that we can do just based on specific stories of Jacoby. So I appreciate you calling. Thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to be on this great show. Thanks. You're listening to Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show. And I'm excited again of the, again, the total media network show. We have not talked in a while. Everyone always talks about him, sees him on social media, sees everything about the V4 report. And finally, I think we need to have news from Europe especially the Visegrad states, uh, countries, because of what's happened with the coronavirus. So, Bill, how are you holding up with the coronavirus? And tell us some of the news of what's going on with you. Well, I'm, I'm holding up great, other than uh, my wife and kids wanting to kick me out of the house by now. <laughs> I think I'm driving them crazy. They're not used to me being home. But, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. We're fortunate here. Be healthy. Um, you know, we're still working out of a different environment. But... Uh, you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for everybody. Um, you know, but at the same time, there's some opportunities, I think, as well. Well, so, I, th- I think I think the opportunity is going to be interesting because we're going to be changing the things as we know up in so many different ways. And that's going to be a, a part of it. But you're here to give us the news in Europe, especially the Visegrad nations. But again, it's really you cover all of Europe in the V4 report now. It's expanded in a lot of ways, hasn't it? From just four countries to really talking about all of the EU. It has to expand because uh, what goes on in Europe affects the V4 nations. And especially if you look at what's happening in Europe, too, we still believe that eventually the EU is going to break apart into um, regional alliances. And we think the central eastern European states can form a nice solid block uh, to counterbalance the influence of Germany and France. So, yes, we're definitely talking about... uh, (laughs) everywhere across Europe. It all matters. Yeah, but now everything's the news about the coronavirus. Is that pretty much what's happening in Europe when you're keeping up to date and the number of cases and the number of deaths? It's uh, dominating um, Europe, especially where, you know, my wife's Czech. And, you know, so I get the constant updates with a special emphasis on the Czech Republic, um, which actually the the V4 nations were, were... somewhat out in front of this they have not been as affected as adversely you know they they were face masks from the beginning uh even if it meant uh, sewing them in their own homes so um you know the the one big issue too and it's is despite the eu acted late brussels uh, the nation oh, yeah. states closed the borders oh, yeah. quickly they were out in hand but now you know some countries like germany belgium um you know there's these calls to release the migrants in detention camps because they're afraid they'll get the virus and they're going to release them onto the streets. And this leads me to believe. Um, and also they're starting in Portugal, they're starting to legalize the illegal migrants um, saying they want to make them part of society. So to me, when I look forward, I see a general amnesty coming across the EU because they're not, the problem is they're not deporting. They've never really deported in any meaningful way the illegal migrants outside of Europe. They shuffle them around Europe, and they're just here. They're roaming Europe. So it, it leads me to believe, not tomorrow, not next week, but sometime this year or next year, Europe's going to push, the EU is going to push for general amnesty of the illegal immigrants here, promising they'll defend the borders, and they won't do it. They never have. So th- to me, this is going to be the issue. It's my opinion. It's not fact. 
Um, I just see what's happening, the statements from the UN, the Council of Europe, um, you know, and, and the, the EU Commission. And I just I just see this as one of the possibilities. But <clears throat> the other front will be the battle coming after Easter, where they're going to, the EU is actually going to come out with their migration reform. And I think I know what that's going to say already. Yeah, but how can you do any type of migration with this disease? You can't with this virus. I call it a disease. I mean, really, it's, I mean, we should be closing the borders and honestly, we should be closing the borders everywhere and even states if they're not following rules. I think we have, as the United States even, we have to give up our freedoms to save our lives. And I don't understand why people are still trying to be, hey, I want freedom. Well, we have to give up our freedoms in a certain pandemic like this, but it sounds like Europe doesn't want to in certain ways. Well, it, 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 Europeans, in this case, they don't want the migrants coming in. They, they want them outside of their countries. It, it's, it's not Europeans. It's the EU Commission and some of the leaders in Western Europe. They're the ones, for instance, in Germany, you can't, if you're Czech, you can't cross the border. Their borders are closed unless you're a so-called asylum seeker. Um, you, know, the, you know, they're still not being pushed away. And even Greece, I, I mean, I give them credit for one month of defending their border, but this is a long-term issue. And all of a sudden, they're going to turn around and say, okay, uh, the, the leader of Turkey's backed off. Um, we're going to start accepting asylum applications again. This is nuts. They suspended it for one month, and they're going to start – and there's still people coming in from the sea, and they signed an agreement with uh, the EU to any um, uh, migrants rescued in the, in the sea due to this new operation they have. They'll take them in at Greece. You know, it's it just it's it's foolish what's going on. And the people want no part of it. But it's almost as if these leaders are forcing their multicultural agenda on Europe. And that's why I think um, it, it's it's too late. The EU cannot be reformed. It needs to break apart and you know, freedom loving countries need to get out. That's so true. And, 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 and I think that this answer is happening. Right. And we're. And we have to make those changes, so for sure. Now, let's get an update on Italy, because you really cover Italy on the V4 report. What's happening? What's the latest news in Italy with the coronavirus? Because I know that you're covering that a lot, especially how it's been handled. And you're a fan of the prime minister, but yet this is just still... No, no, the the ex-prime minister. Go ahead. Oh, he left? He's gone. (laughs) He didn't exactly leave. Uh, you know, there was a, it's a long story, but he was generally engineered out by, uh, you know, the pro EU forces kind of his co one of his coalition's partner turned on him. And yeah, so, and, and you know, it was, it was an interesting move by Salvini. He, I, I think he thought he had to make a move, uh, to call for new elections and to break up the new government. Instead, they didn't have new elections because the two, um, you know, anti uh, the two other opposition parties then got together to form a government. So he kind of got burned on that. But if elections were held in Italy, he would be elected. So you're right. So right now, the, the current PM government, Italy, is kind of pathetic. Uh, you know, it, it, it was they weren't voted in. They were, you know, appointed, EU approved, and they really dropped the ball on this from the beginning. Um, you know, they fell back quickly. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, they, they, they finally shut off, you know, at least they shut off the, the migrant votes coming in in March. Um, but, you know, they and now the thing with Italy is, is they need help. I mean, they're trying. Italians are realizing they can't rely on the EU. So there's this new spirit there. Their flags are up and they've really been hit hard. I, I, I can't pin uh, what the exact situation is. Maybe it's an older population. Maybe they smoke a lot. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of underlying problems, you know, in those areas. Um, But they're struggling. Um, You know, so I was thinking if it was Salvini, would he handle the coronavirus differently than this PM? Well, he says he would have. He says that they would have acted sooner to close the borders, um, you know, and and, and things of that nature and, and not relied, you know, waiting for the the EU to help, but, uh, you know, that's, that's hindsight. Come on. I, I, everyone can go in hindsight. So I, I don't even want to go there, but you know, the, the point is, is the EU is still not helping Italy. They're still divided on how they're going to help them with funds. So Italy's really mad. Italians are really upset with the EU. Germany, 
Netherlands, some of the northern countries, you know, they don't want to, um, you know, they oppose the one scheme that Italians and Spain, um, you know, favor because uh, they're the two hit hardest hit countries. And so there's another internal battle between Germany, uh, the Netherlands, and then Spain, Italy, and France. So, you know, it's just, uh, and now von der Leyen, the, the underqualified EU president, she's kind of just a Merkel puppet. She's out there now apologizing <laughs> to Italy, but, but in a way- It's crazy. You know, yeah. She's blaming it on the nation states. Oh, we're apologizing. It's it's your, but these nation states acted. You know, she's she's, she's trying to pin the uh, blame on the nation states instead of there there wasn't a unified unified UE response. So there's a lot of pressure now. The EU is really discredited, and they're really putting pressure on uh, to make to attack the, the the nation states and saying only Europe EU can solve this. Uh, you know, is 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 some type of uh, God's gift to Europe. So uh, you're going to see, <laughs> you're going to see this, you know, that's how some view it. I mean, they're really, yeah. it's like a religion. The EU is a religion to some of these um, zealots. So, so um, what's, what is the biggest latest news that you'd say when you go to v4report.com or also Facebook or Twitter or everything regarding the V4? Uh, well, there's, there's a couple of battles. We'll talk, you know, we could talk more next. Now that, you know, Victor Orban in uh, Hungary, you know, the same old thing. The, the EPP party's threatening to kick him out because he he signed emergency orders in Hungary that obviously gives him more control, just like it is here. I mean, there, there's a, you know, there, there's a happy meeting there. But the point is, um, Hungary decided this is a, is a democratic nation, a freely elected parliament decided this. People voted for Orban. They agree with what he's doing. But now he's getting attacked. From outsiders, foreigners, his own uh, European Union party, the EPP party, and they want him kicked out of the EU. Even the United States, I mean, Obama officials are uh, attacking Hungary. So that'll be the issue uh, that we're talking a lot about, you know, is the relationship between Orban and his political party, the EPP. We thought he should have left a long time ago. We we never bought into that party. Um, But there's the excitement going on there. Plus, I think after Easter, you know, the EU and their migration minister from Sweden, of all places, is going to unveil their so-called EU immigration reform. And I know exactly what it's going to say. I, I, I could probably write it for them. They're so predictable, uh, you know, with their slogans of managing migration and borders. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting week. Um you know, unfortunately, I have a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> yeah, you but, don't you usually travel to uh, Europe during Easter? Oh, well, yeah. okay. Well, that is that is our big concern now, especially my wife is, you know, in June is the, the, the summer we, yeah, we live there. So in the summer, so that may not, uh, we may not be able to get there if, uh, you know, of course she's, a, you know, if, if this happens. So, um, you know, so that's what she's worried about. So. Um, it is what it is. We, you have to take it day by day. And, um, you know, there's a happy medium, you know, you know, here too. I mean, there's a period where you want to keep people safe, but then you then got to get on with your lives. You got to get on with business else. People will start getting social ills, <laughs> you know, be out in the streets. There'll be bankruptcies, businesses. So, you know, there's a lot, I don't know where that is. I'm not a doctor, but at some point, you know, you gotta let, you got the business has to go on. The sense of urgency that we're living in, we have to keep our faith in this challenging times. And I, I mean, I can't imagine. And, and what's your take again? Because you're getting a whole world view, not just a United States view. When do you think we're going to be out of the woods and back to work again? And everybody. <laughs> uh, OK, I thought after Easter, my, my original thought was, OK, it's April 16th. Every country's different because it gets hit at different times. You know, now, obviously, we're here in May. Okay. Again, I'm not a doctor, but once you see these, these not everybody has to go back to work. It's never going to be the same. But you got to gradually start getting go, going back to, to business. The people who are vulnerable should stay home. The older people are underlying health. You know, but we have to learn to live with this, okay? Uh, you know, until vaccine comes, a treatment. But, you know, just like the, I'm not comparing it to the flu, obviously, but it's a little bit like the flu. Exactly. Uh, it's just silent killer. 
Yeah, it, but, but but it's a silent killer. That's the biggest problem. It's a silent killer, and that's the issue. And and everybody can't make a decision. So and Europe definitely can't. So definitely go to v4report.com. Follow Bill Ravati at v4 at uh, v4 uh, v4 underscore report, and also check you out on at at on Facebook v4 report. I'll send, I'll send you some some pictures today. I have my Polish. Uh jogging uniform on okay all right so that's interesting and for sure and i hope we continue uh, i've been getting a lot of uh saying where where's the next v4 report radio show slash podcast well we did it today let's do it weekly man especially so uh we'll talk next week okay all right we'll see you. Thank all right you. all right that was the again the v4 report show everyone take care Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show, and I'm excited to welcome to the program, Mike Velarde. Mike, how are you? Uh, hey, great, Neil. I've not talked in a couple weeks. The coronavirus has gotten a little bit more crazy since the last time we chatted. Uh, a lot more crazy, absolutely. And it's especially Florida and what's happening in your area and what's happening in lockdown in Pennsylvania. This is, I, I just really believe that the Chinese should be blamed on this situation and we shouldn't be blaming our president or anyone in the United States because we're all doing such a tremendous job. We have to look at, we just did not get the proper intelligence of what this virus really meant. Well, well, it's certainly gone a lot further than anybody would have thought. I mean, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like that. And today I got not only a good friend, but an expert who helped craft this bill. His name is Rob Whitmore. Great guy, catalyst in Washington. He's going to be explaining to everybody what could be done on how to get both the loans and, you know, everything else that's in the stimulus bill that was just passed. That's huge because, I mean, the thing that's happening, Rob, is, my gosh, I'm just, my head is spinning right now. I mean, I luckily am very blessed and Mike knows my faith, that somehow through one of the biggest pandemics in the world, my businesses aren't being hurt. But so many business owners are being hurt, even if they have businesses that are online. And this is something that they're just trying to figure out where to go, where to log into, and everyone that's trying to tell them where to go and do it has their own agenda. And that's the biggest problem, I think, Rob. Instead of let's make sure that these people get their money so we can get those businesses up and running again and get the economy back. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. This, these are extraordinary times. And it is the faith, family, and our love of freedom that is an opportunity to bring us together to protect, to defend, and to preserve what we have. What we have as individuals and what we have as business owners and entrepreneurs and what we have as freedom-loving Americans. So I welcome the opportunity to be with you today to address how the COVID-19 virus has infected every family, even if you don't test positive. Every business owner from Main Street in in New York to Montana. Yes, it has. So we have to unite. Yes, our lives. And it, it lets us say, again, I'm doing well financially at this point, and who knows in three weeks if that's going to be the same situation. But the ultimate thing is our lives are disrupted. Our freedom is disrupted. We aren't able to go places. We're not allowed to entertain. We're, we're not allowed to see our friends and our family because we're afraid to pass on the virus. Uh, we're, we Yes. Kids are, we have to homeschool our kids, even though we work. We have to do all these different. Let's things. yeah, it's just let's try and dive dive right in to the CARES Act and and what our yeah, government yeah. has done to to protect us. First of all, CARES is an acronym that stands for Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security. And as, as most of the listening audience witnessed in the previous weeks, and Mike alluded to, our friends, our colleagues, those people we elected to represent 
this democratic republic have been working to protect us, to protect our faith, to protect our family and our freedom. So I welcome the opportunity to kind of give uh, everyone uh, a simple approach to being able to assure your independence and your economic security if, if we can. So yeah, we'll dive right in. The, well, the, the, first, the first part, yeah, the first, the first part is every American worker, business person, owner, can avail themselves of unemployment benefits if they're in the situation where they have, are no longer working. And in addition to the state benefits that are available through unemployment, the federal government, this administration, has provided for an extra $600 on top of what a state unemployment benefit check looks like. So while we see that there may be high numbers, that is our reality. These folks are fortunately not going to the emergency room. They're going to the Department of Labor. So we have our states who have a duty and a responsibility to locally execute and state manage this federal support. So I encourage everyone, that's an option. Option number two, if you are a business owner, if you're a self-employed, independent contractor, sole proprietor, an entrepreneur, and you are staying at work, and your people are with you, and you have a strong foundation to continue to do business, but you want to protect everyone's paycheck, we have the Payroll Protection Program. Let's just call that P3. This is part of the coronavirus relief options available for one purpose, to keep America working so that we can get up to eight weeks, the tragic months of April, May, maybe even June. The federal government will provide every employer and every sole proprietor up to eight weeks to cover payroll, rent, utilities, and certain other limited expenses. And we can describe either today or in another, another opportunity, the details. What can you do to access the payroll protection program? And here's how they made it easy. SBA and the United States Treasury and our friends, the people we elected, to lead at a time like this have been working around the clock for the past 14 days while you and I have been sitting in the comfort and convenience of our home or our workplace to, so that everyone who's eligible, and it's a lot, can go into any bank, Bank of America, TD Bank, mostly any FDIC bank where you have an existing business banking relationship provide a form that can be filled out in eight minutes, provide substantiation that proves you had this basis for estimating how much you're asking to borrow. And quite simply, it's the average monthly payroll, and payroll is defined broadly. But all you have to do, what was the average monthly payroll commitment? Multiply that by two and a half times. Take with you your 941s, your quarterly payroll tax returns, maybe even your business tax return and your income tax return. Walk into your branch with the people who know you already. They know their customer. They trust you. They're, they're working for us. Provide this starting today. And those bankers will be able to process a federally guaranteed loan that will provide two and a half times the monthly average payroll, which is intended to keep your people working. And guess what happens to that loan after June? If in fact, you've done exactly that, 
you've stayed open. Main Street, even though some businesses are shutting down, you still qualify for this. You're, the federal government will accept another application for the forgiveness of that loan and convert that loan into a grant, a tax-free grant that does not need to be repaid. So the federal government, again, led by the people who are in government positions in this administration are taking their time and talent and this resource to your bank to meet our needs. That's option one. That's an addition option. Okay, so this is where the confusion comes in. I'm going to interrupt for a second, Um, Rob. And Mike, you would say too that even though this is great for small businesses, they're just their their heads are spinning right now, Mike. Right, especially you as a small business owner yourself, right? Well, it's, it's a lot to take in, but but you know what? They have made it um, easy. They have made it accessible, and um, by being able to go into your local bank where they know you, like Rob said, it it will definitely be helpful. And that's why I want somebody like Rob, who's an expert in this stuff, to explain it, so it will make it easier for the public to understand. All right, Rob, continue with it. I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this uh, for sure and take notes. And I think all our listeners absolutely. And 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 I'm av- and I'm available. We we've set up through the American Catalyst a COVID nineteen response and relief initiative. All right, so callers can visit American Catalyst slash coronavirus. Actually, I'm sorry. That's American Catalyst slash CARES, C-A-R-E-S, where you land on our COVID-19 response and relief page. You can provide a co- contact information. We'll have one of our CPAs, EAs, professional finance people get back to you to address your specific concern. In addition to the PPP, here's another beauty. It's called the EIDL. Interestingly, that's pronounced IDL. E-I-D-L stands for Economic Injury Disaster Loan. This is in addition. This is to be able to put significant working capital into the checkbooks of the businesses across America, and the 50% that we're going to be counting on, the butchers, the bakers, the candlestick makers, okay? By filing for an EIDL loan, simply making the application, asking a, answering a few very simple questions, everyone who applies, every business owner that applies, will receive a $10,000 advance within a reasonable period of time. Let's hope that they can do this. The only place to apply for this is at the sba.gov website. Please do not make the mistake of going to any .com, .net, or any other site than the official U.S. Small Business Administration, sba.gov. And this is where you begin that because there are sadly some fraudsters and scamsters ready to take advantage of people at this most trying time. But the EIDL loan, here's the key to that. It's not just money to get you through the next eight weeks or two and a half months. What we have to do here is look at what economic injury has our business, our family business, the business we committed our sweat and equity, how, how much economic injury? Is there? So let's use a simple example. A pharmacist who I was talking to just before this call was doing approximately a million dollars a year in filling prescriptions in his community. As a direct result of what's happening now, his business is down 20, 25, or 30 percent. Think about that. On a million dollars gross, that's 200 to 300 thousand dollars of business. Injury, economic injury that one of our businesses has sustained as a result of this virus. Wow. And so now you ask, how long will it take to recover for that pharmacy? 
I don't know. It may take six months, a year, 18 months, two years, three, or maybe longer. This is where you have to look and say, how much do we need to be able to plug that gap? Because most of these businesses in America were doing well. They were not only sustaining or surviving, they were thriving on volume. And the money that made sense was in the margins. So when this economic hit above the line, at the top of the line, hits your bow, and you start to hemorrhage in order to be able to survive, that's what EIL is for. So putting in an application for uh, 200000 300,000, 500,000, millions. Okay, and that's why, again, those representing us in this administration have worked feverishly, no pun intended, over the past 14 days while we've been in, in uh, self-quarantine to put the funding in place. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why it added up because somebody had the brains to say, wait a minute, how much is this going to cost? What is it going to take? Added up $2.2 trillion. Okay. That is a lot of money. Ladies and gentlemen, that is one year of federal revenue, not to mention equivalent spending. The last piece to this, which really should provide some relief, but for many conservatives, it's a, hard, it's a bitter pill to swallow. Because it doesn't sound fiscally responsible. But the last piece is $500 billion of that 2.2 has been set aside in a trust fund. Now, you've heard it before, ladies and gentlemen. We've, we've argued about this. But the reality is this $500 billion will have financial oversight at, by all levels of our government, and it can be leveraged and managed professionally. It's going to be leveraged to an additional $4 trillion of credit facility that is available to those businesses larger than 500 employees, those industries that we count on to get from point A to point B, the agricultural businesses, the businesses of, of uh, transportation, etc. That money's there, but it's also available. It is also available for small businesses as well, as long as there are proper credit partnerships. That's a little more complex, but the good news, that $4 trillion is what is going to heal America's economy in the least amount of time, which gives the president the opportunity to assert with confidence, we're going to come back. We're going to come back stronger than ever. And we're fulfilling what we heard when the last election. What's the purpose? It's to keep America safe, to keep America working, to keep America one and keep America winning. Look forward to 2020 and 2021. Now, and Mike, do you have a question for Rob or would you like me to ask a question? No, you can, I think he's doing a great job. I just sometimes he goes in and out. So <clears throat> I'm here. I'm everything's being recorded. That's so I it's he's not going in and out for me at all. So. Okay. Okay. Terrific. Good. Terrific. I'm, no, he's I'm doing, doing a great everything. job. Keep going, Rob. Yeah, so, Rob, the point I wanted to ask, there's the different options that you talked about. Uh, what about the gig economy? I saw that with uh, Mark Cuban talked about that. People that are freelancers that might be self-employed uh, and they, um, who qualifies for a type of loan like that? So, for example, let's just say you haven't lost as, do you have to like identify how much money you have lost to qualify for that loan? If you're a freelancer that might be losing some businesses I talked about, they might be online entrepreneurs, they might have a, some sort of online business, or they might be doing lots of freelance work and it all disappeared. 
Uh, explain that whole thing for the gig economy. Absolutely. So we'll go back to unemployment. For the, there are special provisions in unemployment that provide access to unemployment for the person you just described, for the gig worker, for the independent contractor, for anyone who is not able to work as a result of this because they are separated from their business. That is the definition of unemployment, separating the employee, in this case the IC or the self-employed, from the, the employer. So they can do the unemployment. They can, in fact, starting next week, begin to apply for the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program. And they, quite simply, will only have to be able to demonstrate that they had a business pre-existing. That's shown by looking at a Schedule C, maybe even a 1099, okay? And it's for two months. So the simplest example, method, let's say a guy is doing net earnings, $52,000 for the year. One month, 1,000 a week is 4,000. Two and a half times 4,000 is 10,000. They can walk into their bank with their banker who knows them, provide a one-page form that takes less than 10 minutes to complete with the documents I just mentioned, and they, they're supposed to receive funding immediately, same day or next day, for that amount which I just described. See, that's, that's the, intention, the intention there is to get through to June. Here, yeah, here, and what, and there'll be one if it doesn't go, it goes further than June. And Mike can kind of attest to that. The, the question I have to ask is, what if you have poor credit? What if your credit is awful and you would never get a loan? Great question. Great question. On the, on, on the, on the PPP, credit does not matter. Okay. On the EIL, the ten thousand dollar advance, credit does not matter. But a guy with bad credit who's probably in a situation for other reasons than COVID-19 is not going to be able to go in and take advantage of an economic injury loan because his business was tanking before this. Ah, so you, if you can show that you made money and you can show bank things, they're not going to look at your credit has got completely shot due to something before COVID-19 and you've grown it back and you're trying to pay back loans and you have certain things. I'm not in that position, but however, I could be in that position if it was for something that happened for another two months. Right now I'm great. You, that, that, you, hit, you, hit, the nail, you, you hit the nail on the head. Most of our colleagues, most of our friends, our family are confused. And as, as simple as we're trying to make this, it's complex and complicated. That's why encouraging people to turn to someone other than their banker, maybe their accountant, their CPA, their tax advisor, their financial advisor, to provide decision support. That's why we launched the COVID-19 Response and Relief Initiative at American Catalyst. We are doing as a public service, we're doing web uh, conference calls. We're going to do webcasts, but we're doing conference calls now with, with small groups to walk through some of these basics in a, in, in for free so that people can say, hey, these guys, are, these guys care. That's why the landing page is American Catalyst slash cares. And you'll land on our COVID-19 response right. and relief page. You'll be able to provide contact information. You'll also be able to access what we discussed today. You'll be able to access the actual application for the payroll protection program form. You'll actually be able to go to the official SBA website where there's additional information on the economic injury disaster law. Wow. That's All right. Sure. I would, you're making my head spin, but it's a great spinning. And the fact that what is this company about, Mike, I, I, you have questions for him or you already knew all this? 
American Catalyst is Mike, a national grassroots. No, 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 I, I want to. I'll get to that in a second. Mike, have do you have questions for Rob? No, I think he's doing great. Okay, <clears throat> okay, great. All right, go, go tell us about the company now. Thank you. Well, American Catalyst is a tax exempt organization. It's a it's a charitable trust that has been established years ago for the purposes of serving as a national grassroots leadership organization that works with existing and emerging leaders to provide them with the with the training and the support they need for times like this. In fact, that's what brought Mike Velarde and Rob Whitmore together. Mike dedicated his time and his talent after years of serving the federal government to participate in American Catalyst Leadership Initiative. So now is the time for all catalysts and people, all Americans, to pull together and lead. And as Iacocca taught us, lead, follow, or get out of the way. And if you want to waste people's time with your agenda, as you mentioned, your self-serving agenda, a political agenda, or anything else like that, save it. Because lives are on the line. We not only have, Ameri- we not only have American heroes, there are a lot of American heart warmers on the front lines. And so this is our opportunity to do what we can with the, with the time, the talent, and the specialized knowledge that we have. So let's go ahead, more information real quickly, then I want to get Mike's website. And then, Mike, we got to have him back on for part two once I kind of listen to this, get this shared all over Facebook and all of the syndication. We need to have – Absolutely. We have – once uh, we gain more people's questions and stuff. So go ahead, Mike, with uh, uh, your website first, and then we'll get, again, Rob's. Oh, yeah, absolutely. First, uh, first my website is Velarde2020.com. That's where my congressional website and the tax website, if you need tax help, is www.winning, W-I-N-N-I-N-G, tax, T-A-X, solutions, S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S, winningtaxsolutions.com. And um, if you want to read my book on prophecy, that's uh, mikevillardybooks.com. Those are the three websites that I have. Fabulous. And Rob, what's the best place we can connect? The best, the best place is American Catalyst slash CARES, C-A-R-E-S. American Catalyst CARES slash CARES. And actually, to be clear, it's AmericanCatalyst.org slash CARES. I guess that's okay. an important that's- piece to the puzzle. Oh, it is, yeah. but guess what? I'll have all that in the show notes. And I'll make sure we share Great. this everywhere. And, you know, Mike, I'm always here for you. And you, you guys are two guys Americans. And I, I appreciate this is such valuable information that I wanted to know. And right now, I don't think I qualify for anything. But, again, I'm one of the lucky ones out of millions of people who are suffering right now. And I support, and as, as a digital marketing expert, PR expert, right, Mike, you can attest to all the expertise I have. The learning curve is I'm afraid I won't be able to sell to anybody if we don't fix this economy right now. And we got to get better. Well, don't, don't, don't disqualify yourself. That is the number one self, self-inflicted injury that I'm seeing on the front lines. And that's from, that's from businesses who have relationships with accountants and lawyers. And, and, and I'm hearing every day, I don't qualify – I don't need the money. This may not be for me. It's for somebody else. You know, that's not the case. This is for every business, small business, entrepreneur, sole proprietor, partnership, gig worker, and independent contractor, especially the payroll protection.